Hello Divas fans, welcome to episode 24 of Scourge Divas. I'm Kirsty and I'm joined by Casey. Hi. How's it going, Casey? Yep. <laughs> yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't really know what to do with that. Yeah. It's going. It is. It's yes. going. Some, oh. Something is definitely going. Uh, I think it would be remiss if at this stage we didn't we didn't refer to current world events in some way. Yeah. Um, if you're completely unaware, which I doubt anybody is, there are mass protests going on across America and actually all over the world. Mm-hmm. But the ones that are getting the most publicity for understandable reasons are the ones in America around racism and police brutality. And it's it's getting a bit nasty. Yeah. Largely, largely, I would say due to the the, the police brutality that's being protested against. Um, but there and the are, presidential action. And the presidential action, which, uh, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? But um, there are a number of resources if people want to send them to friends or family who maybe don't quite understand why the protests are happening or have the opinion that um, the problem is the the looting and the vandalism and and the destruction and and things like that, which I know a lot of people do. There are also a number of um, charities dedicated to uh, ending police brutality and lifting up the voices of the black community and speaking out against racism and things like that, and also paying the cash bail of the the people who are arrested at the protest, because a lot of people are getting arrested um, just for turning up, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's there's funds that are um, raising money to pay their their bail to get them out of prison, basically. There's a lot. There's like ones for most, I would say, major cities now have their own separate bail funds. Um, yeah. So we would strongly consider uh, looking into if if you if you're able and you have the means uh, throwing some money in their direction. We actually are are doing a little promotion just now where if you donate anything to any of the the charities that are supporting this cause and helping the the protesters, um, we will let you suggest a topic for a table stranger. And we will then completely go off on a topic of your choice. It doesn't have to be magic related. It can be anything. Yeah, it doesn't even Edit- have to be something I believe or with or agree in. <laughs> it doesn't. Need, it doesn't even have to be serious. <laughs> yeah. Like it can be literally anything. And we've had some people take us up on it already. So we've got we've got a few Tibbles ranges for the next few weeks lined up. But we do. Yeah, I would. Regardless of whether you want to DM us the the details of that or not, we would strongly consider if you have the means. Um, getting involved with something yeah. like that because it is, it is a really good cause please and it's... please please do i was finally going to get round to to getting our patreon launched this week and i'm i'm not going to do it until at least july so if if you would have donated anything to our patreon um please donate it to a bail fund or a charity instead please and if you if you don't have the means uh share links to them on social media or share a, a business owned by a, a black person or anything like that some educational links yeah um should... there is there is a video that's been put up on youtube today which is about uh i think it's an hour or 90 minutes and it's just a, a loop of work by black artists um and it is interspersed extremely frequently with adverts, like way more than a normal YouTube video. And all the ad revenue is going to bail funds. So put it on loop in a tab, mute the tab, yeah. leave it running. Oh. If, if you can't afford to donate, I have it running right now. If you can't afford to donate anything, please, please do that. Do you know, I'd forgotten about that until you reminded me just now. And I'm going to put it on right now and, and leave it running. That's Yeah, that's that you can yeah. give without having to actually give any money out of your own pocket yourself. But if yeah. you can, then we would strongly encourage you to do that. This is the kind of thing that's only going to get fixed if the people who aren't being directly affected by it get involved and stand up as well. Like it's 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 the, it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna stop until we kind of put our voices and our um input behind it, whether that's financial or just amplifying it completely. So we would we would strongly plead with you that if you can to to get involved. That's your little scourge diva shout out of the week. Yeah. Please look into that as much as you can. 
So we're still in lockdown, Casey. Yes. It's it's still. week it's like week five hundred and twelve or something. Yep. Um we're, we've we've I think Scotland has just hit phase one of is it phase one? Yeah, phase one of lifting the restrictions. I think so, yeah. Which means that you're allowed to like meet people outside from another household and things like that. They're lifting you know, outdoors some outdoor non contact sports like tennis and bowls and shit like that can, can start to start up again. Mm-hmm. Um I think I've seen a few people saying that stage two, which will be the next one, which I think is getting reviewed at the end of this month, is when non-essential businesses can start to think about opening. Which, as a few people have pointed out, includes your local game store. Yeah. Um, but that won't that won't count for events. Their event spaces still, I don't think, will be able to open. I wouldn't have thought so. No. So you still won't be able to play Magic uh, on Friday nights or have tournaments or whatever. But, as we've said repeatedly, you can do this in your house. Or over Skype with your friends, or Zoom, or Microsoft Teams, or whatever video conferencing software you choose to implement. But I was thinking, and this is inspired by a rant that I saw Casey having on Twitter. <laughs> I know you're shocked that Casey was having a rant. Me? But <laughs> I know, <laughs> no. Um, but Casey was having a rant about how the, the heart of magic itself is just getting some cards and playing with your friends, whatever format you like. Yeah. Just getting some cardboard, sitting down opposite someone and playing a game of magic. Yeah. Which is an incredibly valid point, especially when people are complaining that magic is moving more towards being an eSport, being on an online platform. It's like the, the heart of the game itself is getting some cards and playing with your friends, mm-hmm. whether that's in a store or over the internet or in your house or whatever. So I was thinking, you don't have to necessarily sit down with a completely tournament legal deck of tournament legal real cards. Absolutely not. You have to do that in any game store or official event. Yeah. But if you're doing it in your house, you can fanny about and do whatever you like. Yeah, you can. So what I was thinking is, this is an ideal time to, if you've got, you know, like some bits of paper and some Sharpies, to just get really wacky and try out some things that you normally would be completely prohibited for whatever reason from playing. Mm Mm-hmm. And the first thing that popped into my mind, because it's a format that I've never, literally never touched, um, is vintage. Yeah. Because there's nothing stopping you from getting some bits of paper and a pen and making a vintage deck. And playing playing made-up vintage cards with your friends. Mm -hmm. And and having the opportunity to play a format that normally most people wouldn't be able to play unless they A, owned the cards already from whenever it was that vintage cards were printed, like 25 years ago or something, yeah. or had an obscene amount of money. So I thought, right, okay, that's 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 something new and exciting that people could maybe, that could maybe give a try with some, you know, scribbled cards. But I don't know anything about vintage. And it's the only format I have less than zero knowledge pretty much of. Like, I even know a little bit about Legacy. I could probably tell you a little bit about Canadian Highlander if you really pushed me. I know nothing about vintage, but it's fortunate that in our midst we have someone that does know stuff about vintage. This being Casey. I I, I do like to watch a bit of vintage. Yeah, you know you know um, things. By that about... I mean a lot of vintage. <laughs> you know things about vintage. So I, I assume there's a lot of people in the same boat as me who know or maybe know a little bit about vintage but don't know as much as you do. Sure. So I thought, let's this week, while we're we're still inside and it's just starting to rain, so it's people are probably gonna be faced with some pretty poor weather. Perfect time to sit inside and try out a new format with your friends. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get Casey to give me the lowdown on what what the vintage format is and what what decks an intro to the decks and the format that people might want to look into. The good decks, the popular decks. Yeah. The decks that you're likely to see if you Google vintage decklists. The, the pillars of the format. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, Casey, what is vintage? So, vintage is the... Um, it's the tournament... Sanctionable tournament format with the widest card pool. In that it has more cards legal in it than any other format. There's there's only a handful of cards that are actually banned in vintage. Um, now, I, I remember majority... this. I remember this being relevant because 
was it Lurus? Yeah, yeah. Was we recently just... had an addition to the ban list in Vintage, which yeah. there hasn't been a power level ban in Vintage for a very, very, very long time. Because <laughs> I remember the fact that it was banned in Vintage was of some <laughs> shock and consternation to the community. Yes. Because it's so uncommon for things to be actually banned in Vintage. Yeah. So it's to give you an idea of cards that are banned in Vintage, it's anything that references anti- uh-huh, because that's gambling. Because that's gambling. It's anything that references dexterity, so Chaos Orb and Falling Star, because oh, right. we don't want games to be determined by people flinging their cards about. No, understandable. It's um, Shaharazad. Shaharazad, yep. <laughs> because, um, because, obviously. Which is a... Because that would be stupid. It's not a power level ban, but it's a ban for tournament workability. And that if Shaharazad's legal, um, things like dual cast and fork are legal. So you can just win game one and then infinitely draw out the rest of the time. Also, um, it's just it's just it's just stupid to have Shaharazad legal in a tournament format. Yeah, surely. Yeah, exactly. It's stupid. It's stupid. Turns out logistics more than yeah. anything else. Um, any card with the conspiracy card type uh-huh. is banned. Um, and Lurus. For power reasons. <laughs> because Loris is just too good. That's so funny. Yeah. Loris is on the same level as Shahrazad. It's in vintage. It's on a, a higher level than Black Lotus. Can I just say, by the way, just to interrupt because it's just happened, if you hear the Facebook Messenger noise going off in the background, it's because my husband is downstairs with the baby. And there's a non-zero chance that the baby's going to have a complete meltdown at some point this evening. And I may need to leave briefly to go and help with a shitty nappy or something <laughs> so so if you hear the facebook messenger noise going off please ex- it please is. excuse it it's the yeah. it's the downfall of having a very small child when you're recording a podcast but anyway yeah. um Loris is league banned and black lotus is legal black lotus is black lotus restricted at least yeah there are so restrictions. The, the difference between vintage and other formats is that it also has a restricted list so this is a list of cards that you're allowed to play but you're only allowed to play one copy of them. Right. And this is this is your your super powerful cards that would normally be banned in in any other format. So things like Black Lotus, Gush, um, the the Moxes. A lot of the bans are um bans because they are too powerful. Oh, sorry. A lot of the restrictions are restrictions because they are too powerful in that particular format. So you'll find some cards that are restricted in Vintage that are perfectly legal in other formats, things like Monastery Mentor. I love that. So can we just can we just appreciate for a minute that Black Lotus, you can play a Black Lotus in your deck, yep. and you can play a Mox Emerald in your deck, yep. but you can't play any copy of Loris in your deck. Yeah. Brilliant. It's, it's, Loris is just too good, Yeah. because the, the, the rationale is restricting it wouldn't actually change anything because you're not playing Loris in your deck. You're playing no. Loris in your sideboard as a chosen companion. So and what Loris does is it lets you play a Black Lotus from your graveyard every turn. Nice. Or 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 Lion's Eye Diamond or um basically your entire deck. So um because the, the, the rules surrounding companion have just been errat because obviously it's too good. So yeah. they've changed it now so that once per game, whenever you can cast a sorcery, you can pay three generic mana, I think it is, and put your companion from your sideboard into your hand rather than it starting the game um, kind of immediately castable, as it were. Yeah. Um, from like the wish zone or whatever it is. Um, so you, they've changed that now. Do you think that'll affect the fact that Loris is banned in, in Vintage and other formats, I guess, because it's banned in Legacy, is it not? Or is it yeah, it's banned in Legacy, yeah. Loris and Zerda are both banned in Legacy. So do you think that the fact that they've changed the rules will lead to that being changed, or do you think it's still going to be banned? I think it's still going to be banned. Okay. Um, I think even at effectively at six mana, it's still too good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Sure. That was just a little aside that I, I just I just um, thought of. Mm-hmm. So vintage, am I right in thinking that vintage is any card that's uh, apart from the restricted band list? Is it any card that's ever been printed from the beginning of Magic onwards? As long as it's not silver bordered. Sure. Yes. Okay. So everything it's basically the format that spans 
the constructed tournament format that bans spans spans the entire of, entirety of Magic's history. Yeah, I mean, Legacy does that too, but Legacy has a much more stringent ban list. Sure, because you can't play like a back lotus in Legacy at all. No, right. no. So it's basically like it's basically like Legacy on steroids. Yes, that's that's a that's a good way of describing it. That's a good way of describing it. Excellent. So I can imagine that this is probably a fun format for people to you know mock up some cards and play. Because it, it sounds it's... it sounds stupid. It does sound stupid, and don't get me wrong, it is stupid. It is, it's super powerful. Yeah. But um, one thing that I, I want to kind of dispel before we t- start talking about decks is that vintage, the, the there's this myth that Vintage is a turn one format. Yeah. And there are decks that can win on turn one. There's a, there's a lot of decks that can theoretically win on turn one, but... They tend not to. Turn one wins are are few and far between sure. in vintage because the the format is built around sort of stopping your opponent from being able to do that as well as you being able to do that yourself. Yeah. So there, there's there's this this great myth that vintage games are all settled on turn one and that's it. That's that's just not true. A lot of vintage games will go longer turn-wise than games in newer formats. Sure. Because that, that's, that's a misconception I always had about vintage. Mm-hmm. Was that it was just like the, the not-so-stupid broken deck format where you won like within a few turns. Yeah. Which I suppose, I mean, given like the, the sort of power level of the cards involved, is, is a sort of reasonably fair assumption to make. Like you would, you would think that if you had all those stupid cards at your disposal, that you would be able to do ridiculous stuff on the regular. It's it's a fair assumption to make, yeah. Uh, but the thing to remember in in vintage is that the the majority of decks that aren't artifact decks will have will be playing blue in some form of another some form or another, simply because of the fact that things like Ancestral Recall and Time Walk are too powerful not to play. Yeah. When you're playing blue, you can play Force of Will, you can play Force of Negation, you can play Days. There are so many free counter spells that you can run in in the decks that basically sort of cramp down on on the turn one wins yeah that make them not impossible but very very difficult so this is why i think vintage sounds kind of cool because you have all this shit at your disposal that you can you know you can just use in ridiculous ways oh it's free totally ca- cool there's like counter spells and stuff there's there's cards that see play in in vintage that just don't get played in other formats ever and it's it's not because they're not powerful, it's because they're powerful in specific circumstances. Like, it's not really played anymore, but there was a long time where Slash Panther was played in Vintage. And I don't think Slash Panther's ever been played in any other format. <laughs> including, like, the limited set from when it was printed. And, yeah, in- including, like, Scars of Mirrodin Block Limited. It, nice. it, it wasn't even really that playable in that, but it was playable in Vintage. Because you could play it off a Mishra's workshop and it killed Jace the Mind Sculptor. I, I've suddenly realised why Monastery Mentor is restricted when you were talking about like free counter spells and shit like that. Yeah. It's just suddenly clicked why that's a restricted card. Nice. Um, Mox blank is why, why that's a restricted <laughs> card. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So that sounds cool. That definitely sounds like something that I would mess about with on my kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk decks. Yeah. An introduction to popular popular cornerstone vintage decks. Where do you start if you want to if you want to look at some? Okay. Um so assuming we're not talking about budget decks that someone could in theory buy if they had ten thousand dollars spare, because yes, you're looking at about five to ten thousand dollars for a budget vintage deck, yeah. For a budget deck. Okay, well, no, like, like that's going to be out with the sort of realms of possibility for a lot of people, right? So fuck yeah. it, let's just, let's just throw that let's completely Let's just go wild. Let's go wild. 
let's just pretend that you have the funds available to any police force in America. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> and you can you can do whatever you like. Okay. Where do you start? So we'll we'll go over what are basically the the four pillars of the format. Um. So we'll start with the paradoxical outcome decks. So there's there's a a couple of different variants on this. There's the monastery mentor variants and there's the storm variants right so the 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 core of the deck what you're basically doing you are playing a lot of zero cost artifacts or one cost artifacts so in addition to all your moxes your black lotus your mana crypt you're also playing Sol Ring, Sensei's Divining Top, Mana Vault, three copies of Mox Opal in most cases. Sol Ring, Sol Ring. Let's just let's just let's just let that sink in for a second. When was where where is where is anything playing Sol Ring apart from Commander? You can play it in Vintage. You can play it in Vintage, yeah. Um, the deck's even playing Sensei's Divining Top, and and what you're trying to do is you basically dump out a bunch of artifacts that that cost zero or one. You make a load of mana by tapping them all, and then you cast Paradoxical Outcome, and you bounce them all back to your hand, and draw that many cards. Then you play them all again, and then you Paradoxical Outcome again. So the ho- and... Sounds like the Hokey Cokey. Yeah, it kind of is like the Hokey Cokey. And you're, you're basically doing this until you can get yourself a Monastery Mentor in play, and then... Uh, once you get your monastery mentor in play, you're um, making a whole load of monks and bashing your opponent. Which monks are famous for doing? Yeah, as I as I understand it. The the other version is the the sort of storm version, which instead of um instead of playing monastery mentor, is either playing uh, tendrils of agony or some variants have even dropped the black and gone red instead, and they're playing um God, what's it called the the card that modern storm uses as a finisher grape shot grape shot yeah to to just grape shot your opponent for 20 nice and presumably because it's vintage and you have like loads more stuff at your disposal that tends to happen slightly faster than it does in modern yes because modern yeah. storm is really fucking boring to play against well it's really you, boring to play against it, it is it is um but if you if you think about let's say your return you 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 cast a, a paradoxical outcome and return four artifacts and draw four cards. Uh-huh. Um, the chances are you've probably drawn one more zero drop artifact in there. That's six storm already. Nice. And then you're you're running things like you're running all the the cantrips and in vintage. When we say cantrips, we're not necessarily talking about just do something mediocre and draw a card it's draw a card and probably draw some more cards so things like ancestral recall gitaxian pro ponder preordain things like that or demonic tutor merchant scroll to to go and get your ancestral recalls you're just you're drawing so many cards that once you start going off you're probably just going off and winning that turn and um if you're not, the, the deck also has Tinker for uh, Bolas's Citadel. Yeah. So then you just start going off from the top of your deck instead. I'm like, I'm, and I'm... given how many cards in your deck cost one or zero, you probably play half your deck the turn you play Bolas's Citadel. I'm hearing that this is the sort of ideal deck for people that, people that like drawing cards. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so that's that's a, that's a, a starting point because there, there are players that that that's their, the thing they like to do yeah. in standard and in modern and whatever. Ideal starting point for you blue players who like drawing loads of cards and then doing shit with them, mm-hmm. which I've just realised could pretty much describe any magic player, but specifically blue players. Yeah. So paradoxical outcome decks. Yeah. So the, the, next, the next deck I'll talk about is um, for people that like to stop their opponents doing that. Okay. Which is um, workshops. Yeah. Now workshops has kinda morphed a bit over the last few years. It used to be that uh, so the 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 deck's named after the card Mishra's Workshop, which if you don't know is a land. It's not a legendary land. 
It's a land that taps to add three colourless mana to your mana pool, but that mana can only be used to cast artefacts. Yeah. So it's basically a Black Lotus, but it's a land. Right. If you're if you're playing an artifact deck. So funnily because enough... Because Black Lotus, Black Lotus wasn't good enough. Yeah, because Black Lotus wasn't good enough. So funnily enough, every card in this deck, except for four copies of Leyline of the Void in the sideboard, every card in the deck is an artifact. Yeah. Because, of course it is. So the deck's running Mishra's Workshops in addition to things like Ancient Tomb, which taps for two mana, and Telerian Academy, which taps for a whole bunch of mana. Yeah. And it not, used the, not, to be... not, not the Professor. Not the Professor, no. That's Telerian Community College. The other one. The other one, yeah. So it used to be that the deck was really focused on um, sort of pricing your opponent out of playing spells. Yeah. By playing things like Thorn of Amethyst, Sphere of Resistance, Trinisphere, Chalice of the Void, things like that. Sounds kind of prisony. Yeah, yeah. It used to very much be a prison deck, but a lot of those cards over the last few years have become restricted because the deck was just so good. Yeah. So you can't play more than one copy of Trinisphere anymore, or Thorn of Amethyst, or Chalice of the Void. Yeah. Um, so what the deck's doing instead now is it's kind of morphed, or, or Lodestone Golem for that matter, because Lodestone Golem was too good in this format. Um, what the deck's morphed into now is more of sort of aggro prison. So you're playing things like, in, in addition to all the lock pieces that I just described, you're playing things like Walking Ballista, Hangerback Walker, Arcbound Ravager, Foundry Inspector to make your artifacts cheaper. Um... Phyrexian Metamorph to like copy your stuff. It's even playing, get this, because I, I don't think this card's played anywhere else except in Limited. Traxos Scourge of Crook. Now, I know what this is. Yeah. Traxos Scourge of. Let me just Google it. While my husband sends me photos of the baby sleeping. Let me just Google it. Traxos Scourge of Crook. That's yeah. not how I thought you would spell Crook. Oh, that's one. Yeah. This isn't. This is Dominaria, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's a 4-mana 7-7 Trampler that doesn't untap and enters the battlefield tapped. But whenever you cast a Historic spell, you untap it. I'm not... And yeah. all your deck is Historic. Yeah, okay. That's... Yeah, I do recognise the name. So basically what you're doing is you're a kind of combination um, aggro, lot, aggro prison deck pricing your opponent out from doing anything... Um, with your your spheres and your strip mines and your wastelands. This sounds amazing. Basically, yeah, basically mean that they don't have enough mana to cast their spells, and then you play out a few artifact creatures, attack them for a bunch, and then probably what you're doing is you're sacrificing all your artifacts to put a load of counters on your Arcbound Ravager, sacrifice your Arcbound Ravager to modular them onto your Walking Ballista, and just shoot them with the Ballista for the rest. I'm into that. It's fun. I know what I, I know what I'm throwing together with you know printer paper and a felt pen. Outstanding. Yeah. Okay, so that sounds good. That's two very mm-hmm. very different deck styles that we've got, which is good because that that ticks a lot of boxes for different people. What else is there? So the the next of pillar of uh, of vintage is what are called the the they're nicknamed the Xerox decks, um and basically the xerox um, decks as in like the yeah. copier as in the copier okay yeah. um i think it's to do with the fact that everyone copied the first one when the guy that invented the the deck sort of created it everyone copied it fucking net deckers i know um <laughs> so the the core of the xerox deck is lots and lots of one mana spells particularly um one mana draw spells sure so or or in some cases two mana draw spells in the case of dig through time yeah uh, but basically what <laughs> the famous what two mana draw spell the famous two mana draw spell yeah so basically what you're doing is um you're you're drawing very very quickly through your deck this deck interestingly is one of the the vintage decks that doesn't run a full set of moxes it only runs its own color moxes yeah. Because it really needs to hit its colours. Yeah. Um, because it's it's a three colour deck that's running um things so you've got 
Ancestral Recall, Brainstorm, Flusterstorm, Preordain at one blue, but then you've got things like Lightning Bolt and Pyroblast on one red, and Swords to Plowshares on one white. So your, your mana is quite important that you get the right colours early on, so it doesn't run um, the off-colour moxes because they're just they're, they're no good to it. Yeah. They, they don't they basically don't do anything they pay for like maybe one mana of dark fading once in a while but the only the only cards in the deck that have generic mana and their mana cost that you're ever going to pay are dark fading narset parter of veils time walk and merchant scroll narset parter of veils also a card that's restricted vintage if i recall correctly it is yep cool yep um so the the deck in the past has had a number of different win conditions uh you used to see monastery mentor here or you'd see young pyromancer it's moved on now to playing a, a mix of lavinia azorius renegade mm -hmm. because lavinia is really good at shutting your opponent down because it means they can't cast any of their moxes and they can't cast any of their free counter spells mm -hmm. um so it's running a split of that and sprite dragon from Ikoria. Nice. Because it's it's a 2-2, two, two, or rather, a 1-1 one, one with flying and haste, so it's hard to block, and it just gets it's, huge. Is Sprite Dragon, the, Sprite Dragon the one that's like the fairy dragon? Yes. Oh, it's so pretty. It, I love it. it is so pretty. It is very pretty, and because there's only six creatures in your, in your 60-card deck, there's only six creatures and 18 lands, so you're looking at... Um, so 36 cards that can actually pump the Sprite Dragon, so it gets big quite quick. Sounds decent. Yeah. See, I've said that I like the other deck, but now that I've, I've learned that you can make a massive dragon. <laughs> My loyalties are shifting. I, I thought they might. Once you found out about the dragon, I thought you might. Totally. Okay, that sounds fun too. So, the fourth pillar, um, also known as the Boogeyman... And you might be able to guess which deck I'm talking about if I call it the Boogeyman of Vintage. Uh, do you know what? My brain... I think my the, the, the excessive painkillers I was taking for like three weeks have rattled my brain because I'll know it when you see it. So if I tell you that it plays only four lands and oh, is it, is it, no is it, um, zero mana mana sources... Is it Mana the Stretch? It's just just dredge, okay, just dredge, sure. yeah. So yeah, dredge. I follow I follow Aaron Campbell on Twitter. Yes. I can't believe that I, <laughs> that I didn't I didn't think of that. I think I might be blocked if she listens to this podcast. It's, uh, it's <laughs> definitely possible. Okay, please don't tell her. <laughs> so um, yeah, the if you're familiar with the dredge in other formats, then vintage dredge is. Is going to be familiar to you, but it's the most powerful version of the deck in any format because it's final it has form. access. It is, it is, it's, it's a final form, and that's simply because of one card, Bazaar of Baghdad. Right. So Bazaar of Baghdad is the only land the deck plays. It doesn't tap for mana, but what it does do is it taps to let you draw two cards and then discard three cards. Right. And okay. if you know what Dredge wants to do, you will immediately know why that is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Dredge is basically, for anybody that doesn't know, although, I mean, some people might not know. Yeah. Dredge is basically, um, no, I'm, so, thinking of, how, I'm thinking of Delph. I'm thinking of Delph. I'm an how, idiot. How the mechanic Dredge works is if you would draw a card and you have a card with Dredge in your graveyard, the, the card with Dredge will have a number. So this deck is playing cards that have dredge numbers of six, five, and the occasional four. Uh -huh. So what you what you can do, instead of drawing a card, you can put the dredge card from your graveyard into your hand and then put the number of cards from the top of your library into your graveyard. Sure. So what that says with Bazaar of Baghdad is put two dredge cards from your graveyard into your hand, put the top probably 12 cards of your library into your graveyard, then discard the two dredge cards that you just put into your hand so that they're back in your graveyard along with something else. Yeah. Why do you want your deck in your graveyard, you might ask? Well, 
this is where we, we need to talk about dredge payoffs. So you've got things like Narc Amoeba, which is a 1-1 flyer for two mana. But if it's put into your graveyard from your library, you can put it onto the battlefield. Yeah. You have Creeping Chill, which is a, a four mana sorcery. But if it's put into your graveyard from your library, you can exile it. Deals three damage to your opponent and you gain three life. Yep. You're also playing um, Icarid, which if it's in your graveyard in your upkeep, you can exile a black creature card from your graveyard other than Icarid and return it to the battlefield. It's a 3-1 that gets sacrificed in your end step. But if you bring a, an Icarid back, that means you also get to bring back your one of your prized amalgams, which you're also playing. You're also playing uh, our old modern favourite, Hogak Arisen Necropolis. So you can cast that from your graveyard. But that, that doesn't sound like enough. It's not. But you've also got Bridge from Below. Ah, Bridge from Below. <laughs> yeah, so whenever one of your creatures, whenever one of your non-token creatures dies, which your Icarids are going to be doing every turn when you bring them back, you get a 2-2 zombie. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the deck is Dredge creatures and free spells. So the, the deck is running things like um, Cabal Therapy, which you can flashback by sacrificing a creature, Mental Misstep, which costs Phyrexian mana, free counter spells like Force of Negation and Mind Break Trap, um, free disenchants like Force of Vigor. Nice. <laughs> because you need to have some way to get rid of your opponent's Graft Digger's Cage or Leyline of the Void or or whatever. Um, so yeah, you're running you're running free spells, and again the the sideboard is more free spells ley lines and and some lands you've got strip mining two wastelands in the sideboard and uh in the current versions of the deck so yeah dredge doesn't play like any other deck dredge doesn't play like magic it does sound like the most complicated of the options that you've it, presented to me so far <laughs> yeah it, it plays even less like magic and vintage than it does in other formats yeah oh and i, f I, for I forgot about hollow one Oh, Hollow One. Because you're also playing Hollow One, because see when you discard three cards by tapping your Bazaar of Baghdad, that means your Hollow Ones are free. <laughs> yeah, that's... I don't even know... I don't even know, like... I've, like, the past few, I've gone, oh, this sounds like a deck if you like doing this. But, like, I don't even know. This sounds like a deck if you... I don't even know. If you like, like Dredge in other format. <laughs> Or you want to learn to play like a ridiculously complicated deck. Yeah. I like also that I, I immediately said, oh, if you don't know what Dredge does, I'm going to tell you. And then pr proceeded to not know what Dredge did. <laughs> <laughs> and almost describe an entirely different mechanic. Yeah. Good for me. I'm so Good glad that Casey is here <laughs> to educate me on things that I should know. Like mechanics, is mechanics that were printed in sets from about three years ago being... also um the the cheapest tier one vintage deck you can get your hands on all right okay tell me how much it is because you are so if, if you had to guess now if I, I i'm looking at mtg goldfish at the moment and the uh -huh. average price of a vintage deck looking looking sort of across the spectrum the average price of a vintage deck on goldfish is fifty thousand dollars it's what? $50,000. Yeah. $50,000? Yeah. $50,000? Yeah. For a, for, a, for, a, for a deck? Yeah. For the deck? Yeah. $50,000? Yeah. Like, five zero 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 zero. That's right. 50000 Not 5000 yes. 50000 Not 5000 50000 Five zero thousand. Yeah. Yes. $50,000? Yes. And it plays, well, it plays four land? Yes. So there's no jewels. Just, just, it plays four land. There's no jewels. Fifty thousand dollars. Uh, not for dredge. Oh, that's what I thought you meant. No, 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 no. Any vintage the, deck. The average price across vintage is fifty thousand dollars. For a deck. Yeah. But that's still uh, the price of a deck. Yes. That's a deck price. Yes. That's the amount you'd pay for a deck of sixty cards. Yeah. Well, bear in mind about half of that's Black Lotus. Sure, but fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. That's like half my house. Yeah. That's like if I cut my house in half and sold it, that's what that would cost. 
my house. You'll be pleased to hear that dredge is only about seven thousand. Oh, see now that you've said fifty thousand, and I've said fifty thousand so much, that actually sounds like fucking pocket money. Yeah. Oh my god, I have right? four. Because the the only cards that are actually costing you any money in in dredge are your two force of negations comes to about a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Your four force of wills comes to about four hundred dollars. There's a, a couple of bits in the sideboard. Your wastelands and surgical extractions um, are about a hundred dollars between the five cards. Um, and then your bazaar of Baghdad's come to just over six thousand dollars. Wow. For your four bazaar of Baghdad's. But everything else in the deck's dirt cheap. I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty sure that if I I sold Is that, is that four bar- bazaar of Baghdad's? That's for four cost? bazaar of Baghdad's, yeah. You're I'm looking pretty at sure about six thousand four hundred. If I sold every magic card that I owned in my house, every single one of them, and I'm looking at them right now, we have a lot of magic cards. And that's including probably my commander deck, which has some jewels in it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if I sold every magic card in my house, I still wouldn't have enough money to buy for the Bazaar of Baghdad. <laughs> Yikes. So definitely, definitely uh, play this with pieces of paper. Yes. Unless oh, you yeah, have, absolutely. Unless you have um, $7,000, you know, kicking about. Mm-hmm. In which case, fucking donate it to like a bail fund or something. Don't buy oh, a yeah, vintage totally. deck. Donate to the, one of these charities that we were talking about earlier. Do not yes. buy a vintage deck if you have seven thousand pounds kicking about. But anyway, yeah, that was that yeah. was that, that was that was that was eye opening. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll just say that the um the the format does go deeper than that. There are there are other decks. Those are the sort of tier one. There's the the sort of tier one and a half, tier two decks. You're looking at things like um there's a Vengevine deck that also runs Hollow One, um, Hollow One Vengevine and God, I can't remember the name of the damn enchantment. It's not even running the enchantment anymore. Um, what the fuck's it called? Survival of the Fittest. Okay. Um, which lets you discard a creature to go and get a creature. It doesn't look like the deck's even running that anymore. Running bizarre Baghdad instead, but uh, yeah. So there's there's that. There's uh, there's Doomsday, which is a combo deck. There's a there's an Underworld Breach deck, uh, which is all about recurring your Black Lotuses or uh, Lion's Eye Diamonds. There's Mono White Eldrazi, which um, can can be a reasonable budget deck. Um, there's Land Still, which is a a, a land deck. Um, is X a deck or is that just a legacy deck? Eggs isn't a deck in vintage. Okay. Um, but Landstill is using um the car- the enchantment standstill, which uh-huh. is um it's a blue and a colorless for an enchantment. Uh, whenever any player plays a spell, you sacrifice land standstill and all their opponents draw three cards. So. Your deck's built around this, so you're running things like um, lands that can attack or um, shark typhoons that you can cycle to make creatures um, so that you don't actually have to cast any spells. So it's kind of like you've got three or four additional ancestral recalls in the deck. I love when I love when cards get printed in standard that immediately start getting played in like vintage. Yeah, it's so funny. Because I just I, I just love it. It's like this is immediately played in decks that cost, you know, thousands of pounds. Yeah. This random rare that you can open and draft. Yeah. So good. So that was a little walk through vintage. Yeah. It, it sounds like, I know there's a lot of people that play vintage that are really into vintage and play vintage a lot, but it's not a format I mean it's not a format that people play widely for probably obvious reasons. <laughs> Oh no no not at obvious all. reasons obvious reasons costing about fifty thousand pounds yeah fifty thousand pounds five zero thousand pounds mm-hmm. five with four zeros after it thousand yep. pounds yeah so but it sounds like the kind of format that would probably benefit from having a larger audience I guess if people were more into it totally it's 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 one of those things where it's like there was um 
There was a thing recently uh, where I think it was the National Theatre in London have been broadcasting uh, some of their plays, or recordings of some of their plays on YouTube mm-hmm. um, during lockdown. And the they said the viewing figures over the course of a month, uh, the number of people that had viewed the plays would have filled the theatre at every show for a year. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, it's it, it it proves once again that things that are expensive are things that more people would enjoy if they weren't so expensive. Yeah. Um, if they weren't so hard to attain. We had a conversation about this on a recent podcast about playing Legacy, I think. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like that, but again on steroids. Yes. Yeah, so totally. yeah, so um, definitely something to look into if you want something new to do. If you're bored of playing standard or modern or commander or whatever mm-hmm. look into some vintage decks and just make them up with pieces of paper and play them with your friends um, and you can if... you can meet up in gardens there as long as you sit two meters apart i'm pretty sure you could play game of magic from two meters apart probably yeah in the park and it's not like you're playing with expensive cars who gives a shit just get some tokens or something and write on them exactly and once once you're allowed more people in in closer proximity get a few friends run a round robin tournament I played a round-robin proxy vintage non-sanctioned tournament about six months ago in Glasgow, and it was amazing. It was so much fun. It was the most fun I'd played at a Magic tournament in ages. Yeah. I say, I say proxy vintage. Three of the four players had proxy decks. And then one person with their <laughs> actual vintage deck. Yeah, which I didn't realise until I started shuffling it. Why would they, did they start sweating like the guy in airplane? No, no, not like, at all. Pouring off. Them. They just they just didn't even bat an eyelid. And then this I'm reminds... like, hold on, this this doesn't feel thick. Did you just sharpie on the cards? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, oh, oh. <laughs> this reminds me of um JP London. I don't think I've told I don't know if I've told this story before, but our friend Ape that we talked about last podcast sent us the um onulets. Had he's got an old school deck. Mm-hmm. And when I realised this, he was like showing me some cards that he'd picked up for his old school deck, and he had a black, at least one. I can't remember how many black lotus he had, but he had at least one. And I said, "Can I hold it? Because it's mm-hmm. like it's a black lotus." I was like, "Can I hold your black lotus?" I was thinking that you'd give me it in the sleeve. Yeah. And I would have been like, "Oh my god, I'm holding a black lotus! Holy shit!" And he took it out of both its sleeves and handed me this unsleeved black lotus. I've never been so uncomfortable in all my life. And I've been interviewed for, for fucking Magic Fest coverage and Pro Tour coverage. Yeah. And I've never been so stressed and uncomfortable in my entire life as I, I had the moment he handed me this unsleeved black lotus. I'm pretty sure the first time I held my daughter, I was I was less stressed than when I was handed this <laughs> unsleeved black lotus. And she was tiny yeah. and newborn. But anyway, yeah, check Vintage out. Yeah. Don't need to have loads of money to play with sharpied cards. So normally at this point in the podcast, we'd have a, a Tibbalt's Rager and I thought long and hard about it and I don't feel comfortable doing a light-hearted segment about being angry about stuff in the the current environment. Um, and that's not to say I'm not angry about things. I, I am... You're always angry about things. I, I, I know, but... Um, I, I am angry about what's happening, and we talked about it at the start of the episode. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm not gonna get angry about things to do with magic this week, um, because that's just not important, and I'm not gonna get angry and rant about the. The current situation in America and across the world with the the Black Lives Matter protests, because one, um, there are other more important voices that you should be listening to than mine, and two, I'm I'm simply not knowledgeable enough about it. So, I'm sorry there's no rager this week. Uh, I know a lot of people look forward to it, and if if that's the the only thing you were tuning into the episode for, then I'm sorry. Um, we need to up our game for the other bits of yeah. the podcast. But um, please, 
put the put the podcast on pause go and go online and read up about what's happening in the world if you don't already know and fucking get angry get upset and do everything in your power to effect change this is what i'm going to say as well because um i know that there's a lot of like you say there's a lot of other voices that are actually in the in the, in the midst of what's happening and are, are the ones that are affected by it i know uh cedric phillips who does star city games coverage yep. was saying that he didn't feel comfortable leaving his house because he felt like he would be targeted by police because there were sort of nearby protests mm-hmm. and he was concerned that he would he would end up in a, in a situation that he, he didn't particularly want to be in yeah um there are other there are there are other voices that are more qualified and equipped to talk about it but what i would say is a lot of a lot of them are posting things on social media which is great and if you kind of dig about and look up hashtags or whatever whatever social media site you're on you will find them it's not hard but please don't if you if you follow someone that is you know that is black and is affected by this don't please don't get in touch with them and ask them to educate you yeah because you're putting it's quite it's not their job it's not their job but it is a really traumatic thing that we we won't be able to appreciate because it's not affecting us directly we won't be able to appreciate just how how traumatic and how stressful and how upsetting it is like please yeah. don't make it any worse by asking them to explain to you why it's why it's traumatic and upsetting and stressful for them like it's not fair um you're just making a horrible situation worse for them Mm-hmm. It's literally there on the internet if you look. Like it's not hard. Like yeah. you can this 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 hashtag set up, and a lot of the hashtags are, you know, are being used to communicate information to people at the protests, and like you know what's what's happening in other parts of the cities and what's what's going on. But a lot of the stuff that's under the hashtag is resources and people sharing information about um, their experiences in general. Mm-hmm. So you can you can find these things. Please don't ask people who are directly involved and affected to tell you why it's important. Yeah, having, because it's just having been in the situation of um, being asked by multiple people to explain to them why trans rights matter. Yeah, um, it's exhausting and it's it's not my job to have to do to have to educate you it's not the people you follow's job to have to educate you on on everything behind the black lives matter protests you can do it yourself and i encourage you to do so please do so but this is also if if you're if you're um listening to this and you're not black and you're not involved directly in protesting or 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 anything like that this is also why it's important to amplify these things Mm -hmm. because it takes the onus off of the people who are sharing their own experiences to then be the sort of go-to resource i guess as it were it takes the immediate onus on them that that's why you should be you know sharing things and lifting these voices up because they're these are the, the people that you have to listen to and if they're putting their experiences out there, we should be lifting that up to make it so that everybody can see it. Mm-hmm. Because that's 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 how that's how you know people get involved. And I'm I'm not explaining it very well because it's bloody roasting in this room and my head's just completely gone. But it, that's 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 why it's so important because it takes it, it makes it kind of everybody's responsibility. Yeah, because this educate. is everybody's problem. Yeah, and it it it, it means that you can educate the people that maybe don't know and save them going to, you know, the people who are at the, at the root of it. Mm-hmm. You can, it just, it makes it, it makes it much easier for people. But please, you know, if, 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 if you, if you know stuff, lift, lift the people up that are, that are sharing their stories. And if you don't know stuff, find the, the stories. Like it's not, it's really not hard. Does you'd literally go into any social media site and type hashtag black, like black lives matter. And you'll find it. Yeah. It's the easiest thing. So yeah, that there's there's no there's no radio this week. It is it is um Blackout Tuesday on, on social media, which is a, a movement um where it's 
it kind of people don't post their own stuff on their own personal accounts and instead it's being used to kind of lift up these voices mm-hmm. and or take a, a day of reflection to think about how you know privilege of, uh, impacts your own life ways in which we are privileged and how we can change that and maybe have some conversations with your kids or your other family members or your friends about about why these things are important instead of posting stuff on your own personal social media accounts. So this is this is our this is our our version of that, I guess. Yeah. We're we're we're, t- we're attempting to 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 get people onto the right track. And, and like yeah, we said, encourage was, you to go out there and find out what you need to find out. Yeah, and like we said at the start of the episode, if you have the financial means to to do so, please please support some of these fundraisers and bail funds and organisations mm-hmm. that are that are um, being set up and that are running. And if you don't have the means to do so, share the links, tell your friends, um, just amplify them so that, that, that as many people can see them as possible. Casey, before I melt in this impossibly hot room, do you want to play, do you want to play a quick game of Shite or Delight? Let's do it. I've finished my beer and it's roasting and I'm so uncomfortable, but let's, let's rattle through a quick game of Shite or Delight. For people that don't know, Shout or Delight is a game where I w- one of us will read off a list of topics and they will be rated by the other person. They can be magic related or they can just be fucking not. So I have a list for Casey. Are you, are you ready to rate some shit? I am very ready. Okay, let's rattle through it. Um, the dog in the art that Wizards of the Coast posted earlier this week. It's total delight. You know the one, the one that looks yeah, like a, I, a husky the fluffy dog. The fluffy, the fluffy white dog. dog. I love it. I don't know what that's from, but I want one. Um, Negro Mata. Pacos, the Chilean protest dog. Delight. Have you seen it? I have seen it. <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't seen a Negro Matapacos, please Google. Just Google Chilean protest dog. Best thing I've ever seen. Uh, vintage. Delight. Local game stores potentially reopening next month. Delight. Tolarian Academy. Delight. Tolarian Community College. Delight. Donating to U.S. City bail fundraisers. Delight. Donald J. Trump. Shite, so shite. The, mo- the most shite <laughs> the most of anything shite. that's ever been on shite or delight. We've broken shite or delight. Yeah. We've warped the format. That's it, the, the game's over. It's, it's done. <laughs> there is no more shite. Playing Animal Crossing constantly because everything sucks. The delight, I love it. Driving 30 miles to double check, you can see. Shite, <laughs> fucking hell. Uh, Google um dominic cummings if you want to see what we're talking about and you weren't already aware basically yeah. if you don't follow me on social media because i spent about a week pissed off about that um magic fest's not happening until at least next year um this is this is a kind of dual one right because shite but correct <laughs> it's my favorite thing to be yeah uh selling half your house to buy a dredge deck <laughs> shite. <laughs> i mean i only need like two rooms anyway so what yeah. the fuck So, to conclude, this is normally the part of the podcast where we would plug our own social media accounts and the podcast social media accounts and tell you how you would get in touch with us. Mm-hmm. But in a similar vein to the Tibbots Ranger, we're not we're not going to do that. And instead, what we're going to do is encourage you to check out Twitter, any Twitter account. Follow any any Twitter account that's, that's posting about um, racism in America or... Or racism in the UK. Racism anywhere, basically. Yeah. Or the protests, or any any um, black content creator for Magic, because there's loads. Yep. Um, I'm thinking Cedric Phillips does Star City Games coverage. There's um, Ellie of the Vale, yep. who uh, is a, a streamer, podcaster, content creator, has also been on the... Was it Mythic Invitational? I think so like yeah. the mythic invitational there's 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 loads there so just that's your challenge for this week instead of following us on social media on any social media find find a black content creator and follow them and amplify them yeah if you if you already have us on social media we've been posting links to fundraise and stuff like that we'll put links in our show notes on soundcloud to some resources to help you get started mm-hmm. i think there's a bail fund that just splits anything you donate between like a, a dozen or something different bail funds across america yeah so we'll probably post that one but we'll post a bunch of links to to things that you can donate to so rather than us plugging our social media that's that's what we want you to do is follow someone else instead mm-hmm. someone whose voice needs to be lifted up yeah do that instead 
Um, we will see you next week. We will. For more Scourge Divas. And in the meantime, stay pissed off. Stay safe. Stay safe, but mostly stay pissed off. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.